I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, we started a, a, a sermon series last week on the book of James. And what I like to do is sometimes take a book of the Bible and just preach through it verse by verse. And you say, oh, I don't like verse by verse uh, stuff. Well, let me tell you what. Every one of these messages will stand alone, and you'll find as we go through it, you'll be surprised at how perhaps the Lord will take one particular message out of this series and apply it to your life. And, and uh, I also see how he will apply those to my life. Last week we began our journey uh, through the little book of James and, and uh, it is Faith on Trial. That's the title of the series uh, and uh, the subline for the title is, Is It a Faith That Works? That's a big issue with James. Not only do you have faith, but does your faith work? Is it a faith that saves? That's the only faith that really counts. And so uh, life becomes a proving ground as James sees it uh, for faith. Last week, we considered one of those seasons that can test our faith like no other, and that's the season of trouble. I don't know if you know it or not, but in the book of Job, Job, that quintessential man of trouble in the Bible, said, man that is born of woman is few of days and full of trouble. Trouble comes at every season of life. You know that. Uh, it doesn't stop. It's, it's incessant. You get out of one period of trouble and you're getting ready for the next because it's coming around the corner. And what happens when we get in a time of trouble is it puts us in a period of uncertainty. Our faith is bewildered. We don't know what to do. And so knowing that, that is the next section of the book of James. And let me get there in my own Bible as we talk about how faith faces uncertainty. And James tells us, he gives us a pretty simple answer to that in verses 5 through 8 of chapter 1, how faith faces uncertainty. He says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, that means if any of you, you don't know what to do, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Very simple passage of scripture there from the book of James. And like last week, we said our first point was trouble is a fact of life. And here's the first point in this message, and that is uncertainty is a fact of life. Uh, in, in the Greek language, there are conditional sentences, first, second, third class conditional sentences that begin with the word if, if. And some of them always require if, as this one does, this conditional sentence requires the answer yes. If any man lacks wisdom, yes, you will lack wisdom. As a matter of fact, every man lacks wisdom. It's not the possibility, but the certainty that all of us find ourselves in periods of time when we don't know what to do. The Bible reveals the weakness of all people in the face of uncertainty. In Jeremiah chapter 10, I love the book of Jeremiah, verse 23, Jeremiah said, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his own steps. In other words, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do on some occasions, we don't know what to do on most every occasion. And let me say to you, it is all right to say, I don't know what to do. It's all right for a husband to tell his wife, 
I don't know what to do. It's all right for a wife or a mother to tell her children, I don't know what to do. In that situation, James tells us what to do. So uncertainty is faith bewildered. That's when faith stands in one of the storms of life. I'm standing still trusting God, but I don't know what to do. Uh, so if your faith is bewildered, if you're standing in the fog of your own circumstances, where will you turn? Where will you find wisdom? I think I told some of you a few weeks ago about the Quenchman, the Quenchman, the Frenchman from Quebec who flew in uh, to New Orleans and was walking from New Orleans back to Quebec. And uh, he was, it was an introspective walk. You may have seen him. He was pushing a little, looked like a baby stroller. He was walking through town, but it wasn't a baby stroller. It was a buggy that he was pushing all his equipment in. He wanted to sleep out here uh, between the buildings uh, one night. Said he didn't need any money, didn't need anything. He had his credit card. He had everything he needed. He was just trying to find himself, looking for answers. So where do you turn when you look for answers? Well, you don't look inside yourself because that's not where you're going to find them. Number two, in uncertainty, faith is on trial. And how uncertainty puts, on, uh, puts faith on trial is, is in this way. And that is, where will I look for wisdom amidst my uncertainty? Am I going to look inside myself? Well, in James chapter 3, verse 15, if you'll turn over there for just a minute and look at James 3, 15, he talks a little bit about wisdom. And you have to sort of turn back and forth in the book of James to hear what he's saying. And, and this is what he says about different sources of wisdom. He says, this wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. All right, do you see that? I, I, I take it out of context because we're going to come back later and look at the whole context of that passage of Scripture. But I want you to notice that James talks about three different kinds of wisdom that doesn't come from God. And one of it is earthly. Earthy wisdom. Uh, so, earthy wisdom. My granddaddy told me when I was growing up, you remember random things that your grandfather says. My granddaddy told me that if it rains on the seventh day of June and the sun shines, you'll lose your pecan crop. Was anybody watching to see if that happened last week? I don't know. I don't know if it's true. It might work, it might not, but that's earthly wisdom. You've heard some of it. Every day that it thunders in February, it'll frost in April. I don't know if that's true down here, if y'all said that in George County, but up in central Mississippi, we said that. Probably doesn't work in central Mississippi. It may work in north Mississippi. It may work, it may not. It's earthly wisdom. Uh, <clears throat> don't sweep your house on New Year's Day, or you'll sweep somebody out of your home. You've probably heard that. That's not just earthly wisdom. That's just a superstition. But there's all that kind of stuff. We could go on and on with little tidbits of earthly wisdom, some of it a little more sound than what I've offered. Uh, but when we're looking for guidance about what to do, you better have a better source than Grandpa. Because Grandpa can only give you earthly wisdom. Our first baby had a lot of colic. Uh, when she was born, we lived in Hattiesburg at that time. I was a student at William Carey College when my first child was born. You see, I got married a little early. And so we had an older, wiser, godly couple there. And they gave us earthly wisdom about what to do with our little daughter. They said, if she has colic, hold her upside down by her ankles and walk around with her. And, and it'll get rid of it. We did and it didn't. But that was earthly wisdom. We tried it and didn't work. So James says there's earthly wisdom. It doesn't come from above. And then he, he uses another term, 
and it's the word from, from which we get psychology, psuchikos, and it's unspiritual wisdom, or he also calls it, your Bible might say sensual, but it's a wisdom in harmony with the corrupt desires and affections that we have and springing from them. It's relying on fallen human nature to find direction for life. In other words, it's following your passion. Does it feel right? Somebody says to you, does that feel right to you? Then that's probably what you ought to do. Broken human nature is the wrong place to search for answers in the midst of uncertainty. Unspiritual wisdom might come from well-meaning friends. I might get it from some website. People used to, you say, I can't believe, some of the older people say, I can't believe people go to websites to look for wisdom and answers. Some people used to read Ann Landers out of the newspaper, and it was about the same thing. So I might get some wisdom from a website. Uh, I might get it from this place, that place, my friend, internet, newspapers, or magazines. But if I'm not talking to God, then the wisdom that I'm going to get, the guidance that I'm going to get is going to be unspiritual based on fallen human nature. So there's some earthly wisdom. There's some unspiritual wisdom. And then James says, he uses another word, another word and it's demoniodes, which is demonic or from the devil. Now, it has its source in evil. It may not look evil. It may not sound evil. But it always leads away from God. And it's contrary to what God would have you to do in that set of circumstances. It'll make matters worse for you and all around you. And it also might come through a friend. It might come from the television or from the internet or from other sources. But it's demonic. It's from the devil. And whatever you get from him is intended to steal, Jesus said, to steal, to kill, and to destroy Whatever it is, you're trying to salvage in the midst of your own circumstances. So there's a very simple principle I want you to remember, and that is human wisdom that has its source other than in God leads to the wrong decision, leads in the wrong direction, and leads to the wrong destiny. Now, in the book of Job, and I know I'm putting Old Testament and New Testament together, but there's a pretty picture in the book of Job, and you just need to go back and read it sometime. In the, in the 28th chapter of the book of Job, Job's talking about where in the world do you go to find wisdom? And he said, you know, men can, they can, I look up here in the ceiling because I'm thinking about a guy dropping down into a cave. And he said, they swing from ropes, and they go down in caves and ropes, and they can find silver and gold and diamonds. He said, this is, and I'm going to pick up in verse 10 of Job 28. He said, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation because it's vivid. He said, people know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up trickling strings and bring to light the hidden treasures. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean, nor is it here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. It is worth more, more than all the gold of Ophir, greater than precious onks or lapis lazuli. Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and jasper are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above rubies. Precious peridot from Ethiopia cannot be exchanged for it. It is worth more than purest gold. But do people know where to find wisdom? 
Where can they find understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of humanity. Even the sharp-eyed birds in the sky can't discover it. Destruction and death say, we've only heard rumors of where wisdom can be found. And then he says, God alone knows the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. This is the Bible's conclusion from the Old Testament to the New Testament about wisdom. I don't have it. You don't have it. Nobody else has it. You can't dig down in the earth and find it. You can't go out in space and find it. And you can't go to the bottom of the ocean and find it. So the Bible tells us that there is a wisdom that comes from above. James says, not from study, not from inquiry, not from scientific discovery. So, in uncertainty, this is number three, in uncertainty, genuine faith forces us, uh, or in uncertainty, genuine faith turns to God for wisdom. Our uncertainty is what forces us to look to God. It causes us to see the depth of our own human weakness, to admit that we don't know what to do, and that's the first step in gaining wisdom is to admit our own lack of understanding. I don't know what to do. My wisdom is not sufficient. My education doesn't equip me for this. My life experience has not prepared me for this. The person who realizes this need, the person who is a person of genuine faith, will do what James said. They will ask God. Now, we went a long circle to get back to that. If any man lacks wisdom... And that's a conditional sentence in Greek that means, yes, every man lacks wisdom. He will ask God. And how will God respond? Well, we have a prime example of that, and it also comes from the Old Testament. When King David died, his son Solomon became king in his place. And faced with that enormous task of the political, being the political and spiritual leader of a nation, Solomon realized that he was ill-equipped. And so in deep humility, he asked God to give him wisdom. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10, we find his prayer. He said, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can rule this great people of yours? And that's in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10. He simply prayed for wisdom. And how did God respond? Well, down the way in that same chapter, the Bible says... God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded all that of the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. It goes on to say his fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed 3,000 proverbs, wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority on all kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in a wall. He could speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. He said, God, I don't think I can handle this job. Would you help me? Would you give me wisdom? And the wisdom that God poured into Solomon was within, with in keeping with God's great heart of generosity. God will never scold you, James 1.5, for asking for wisdom. Let him ask of God who gives to all men generously without reproach. God will never judge you for saying, I don't know what to do, help me make the right decision. So James tells us in the midst of uncertainty, God will answer the prayer 
for wisdom. When faith faces uncertainty, faith asks God, and God will answer. Here's the final point in this message. In my uncertainty, my faith will be further tested by my response to God's answer. So maybe you're trying to figure out what to do, and you say, I, I really need some wisdom here. I need some wisdom. On the one hand, I can ask God, and on the one hand, I can do what my heart desires. Which, which one of these am I going to do? Which, which one of these do I really want to do? Because I'm sort of torn here. This is what God is asking me to do, and this is what I want to do. This is what God is asking me to do, and this is what I want to do. This is what God is asking me to do, and this is what I want to do. And James says, let me, say, let me tell you up front, guys. If you ask God for wisdom, you ask in faith without any doubting. Because if you doubt, you'll be a double-souled man. And that's the literal Greek in that. You'll have, have a double soul. You'll be torn. You'll be torn in two by trying to choose, are you going to go God's way or are you going to go some other way? And you need to make a decision up front that if I ask God and God tells me what to do, then I'm going to do exactly what God says do. And I'm not going to flinch. I'm going to set my heart in that direction. And I'm going to follow God. And I'm going to be obedient to God. Now that's a big issue. Because when it comes down to it, and you really pray, sometimes you pray saying, I want God to do this for me. I want God to show me this way to go. Because you have a preconceived idea of what you want God to say. And then should God speak and tell you something else? And it's contrary, or maybe a little bit, it's going to require a stretch for you to do that, and you don't see how it's going to work out. You have to decide that you're going to trust God's wisdom above your own. You're going to have to trust God's direction above your own, even if it leads in a difficult way, even if it's the long way around. You say, that doesn't seem right to me. That seems hard. But God gave it and you follow it, and you're committed to what God tells you to do. How does faith handle uncertainty? James says, face the fact, there are going to be times when you don't know what to do. And so what do you do? You ask God. And when you ask, God will answer, and he will pour wisdom into you to help you in every situation of life. But you better ask in faith. You better not quibble, doubt, waver, be double-souled about it, because that man should not expect to receive anything from God. God will look ahead and say, if I tell you what to do, you're not going to do it anyway, so why should I tell you? But you have a commitment when you pray, God, if you tell me, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And so this morning in this service, God may have already spoken to you. He may have been speaking to you for, for several days or maybe for really a long time about going his way being obedient to him. He may have shown you a step that you ought to take. He may have shown you that today's the day that you need to follow Jesus personally as your Savior. Only God can give you that kind of direction. And when God speaks, you certainly ought to respond. Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, come to the conclusion of this service, we admit our own personal weakness. All of us, Lord, are weak. We have various levels of education and God, no matter how much education we have, no matter how smart we are, no matter how old we are and how much experience we have, 
we still stand in spots and we don't have a clue about what to do. And we need your wisdom and guidance. And so, Lord, I pray that somebody out here today who's really struggling to know the way, that, Lord, you would make it clear to them about the path that you'd have them to take. Please, Lord, speak during our invitation time because it, it only really matters, Lord, if we hear from you. We need to hear from you, not from me, not from the people who sing, not from each other. We need to hear from you. Please speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?